You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, and I'm joined today by Matt Groon, pastoral resident here. And this is our Monday episode we call Hear and Obey. And we are in Exodus chapter 20, the first two verses, as we begin now kind of a series within a series. We're in a sermon series through the book of Exodus, and and we're going to slow down at the Ten Commandments and work our way through each of these one at a time, beginning with the prologue Mm. to the Decalogue, the Decalogue being the the Ten Commandments, Deca meaning ten, Logos, words, so ten words. But there's this prologue even before we get into the Ten Commandments themselves, and this is the text that Greg preached on Sunday, um, Exodus 20. I'm just going to read these first two verses. This is God's word to us. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us today and that you spoke to your people Israel at Mount Sinai saying all of these things. Thank you for the words that you have spoken to us and preserved for us, for all people in all times. And God, we pray that uh, your word would dwell in us richly, be living and active in us and sanctify us that we might walk in your ways and live for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hmm. This is a, a significant introduction mm-hmm. uh, easy to miss yes and i think that um don't sleep on the prologue that's right yeah it, if you if you get it wrong yeah you can get everything wrong really in understanding the nature of god's commandments um you know it's it's kind of like this uh what not the fault line what's the word where the continental divide mm. you know things tip one way or the other at right. this at this point um toward legalism or in understanding of grace um, as motivation. So anyway, those thoughts come to my mind when I look at this. Um, Well, I think, I think you're exactly right. When people say, Oh, we're going to preach through the 10 commandments. They expect us to start at, you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah. First verse three, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's two really important verses that come before then and is vital. I mean, imagine, I mean, probably what's one of the most iconic, vital, important phrases in the U S constitution. We the people. Hmm. We the people is not found in any of the articles. We the people is found as the opening words of the preamble to the Constitution, Mm -hmm. marking that we, the people of the United States, give our consent and essentially submit to these governing principles that are about to be spelled out. Um, Likewise, if you were to delete uh, Exodus, there's a question I often ask when I'm reading, when I'm studying, when I'm Hmm. preparing to preach. What would happen if we removed this text from the flow? What, what would that do? Mm. Um, and if you remove these opening two verses um, and just go straight into, you shall have no other gods before me, um, I could see how somebody might say that this is a legalistic text. Mm. These are just laws being passed down from God on high down to these unsuspecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, okay, add these back in. Changes everything. Yeah. Changes everything. It changes the very nature of the relationship between God and his people. And all of Exodus has been leading up really to this point. In fact, I remember reading one author said that this really is this point. Exodus 20 really might be the high point Mm. of all of Israel's dealings with God. Mm. Um, 
starting back even back in Abraham or for Abraham Genesis 12 all the way to the monarch the monarchy and then all, even um, in the lead up to Christ mm. this is the high water mark this is where God this is you know Greg pointed this out and God spoke all these words saying mm. it's the first time God has addressed the people directly yeah not through Moses not through me or Aaron not through a mediator not through signs and wonders but speaking mm. to a people in fact um, after this, the people are going to say, don't let that happen again. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say to Moses, please don't let you us do go that. up. Yeah, you, you go up with- there, you tell us we're not going to. Yeah. So he, this is a moment in all of, of Israeli or of the Israelite history mm-hmm. and um, of Old Testament, the people of covenantal history of God addressing his people mm-hmm. as their God and as really as their father. There's mm-hmm. a the covenantal familial relationship yeah. happening here. Yeah. And God establishes that with his word. Mm-hmm. Um, God rules his people by his word always. That yeah. That's how it was in the garden. God spoke to Adam and Eve and, and gave them commands. And so we see that established there that God always exercises his rule, his authority by his word. I, I was just affected by the point that Greg made yesterday when, when he pointed out, uh, of, of the all the wonders and things in chapter 19 the the phenomena going on there mm. thunderbolts uh, you know lightning bolts and thunder and earthquake and smoke and all of that the fact that God reveals himself by his words is the most significant thing all, all everything else can cause the the shock and awe it's his words that reveal his ways mm-hmm. uh, his character uh, what he desires so the uh, the way of blessing. This is how to live in right relationship with God for our own good. And so the significance of that opening phrase, God spoke all these words, saying, the repetition spoke in words and saying. Um, we did an episode, came out I think last week on the, the first part of our statement of faith. Right. And the entire statement of faith for Sovereign Grace Churches begins with that that phrase that our God, our triune God, by his very nature, is a communicative being. So we see that in God's character right here, in God's speaking to them, which is also an act of grace. He has yes. not left his people alone to, to wander along and figure out for themselves, you know, find your way to God, make up what's right in your own eyes. He, he's, he's speaking in order to bring illumination and direction and clarity. So it's just it, it's gracious of God to speak like this. And that really is the, the critical point of this opening text. Like, cause you're going to think what's the law? Well, mm-hmm. Exodus 20. Well, right before that law giving is this declaration of the grace of God. And mm-hmm. any communication from God to his creation is by its very nature gracious. Yeah. It's undeserving. Um, it's nothing that we, it's, it's unconditional in the, in the right sense, in the mm-hmm. sense that the, that we have met no condition that mm. would require of God to speak to us. Right. Um, so he, his very creation was an act of grace, mm-hmm. right? And notice he created through his word by speaking and he mm-hmm. spoke and said, let there be light. Um, he didn't need anything. Well, you know, we, we rest in the aseity of God, the self-sufficiency of mm-hmm. God. He did not create, he did not create the world because he was lonely or mm-hmm. he just needed, you know, somebody to, hang out with no he created out of the abundance of his fullness so it's a it's an act of grace and then you know the 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 history of redemption has been this 
gracious revealing of God, not only in creation, but in his word, and then ultimately highlighting in the word, Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of his self-revelation, the image of the invisible God. Um, That is the high point. So, but in this text, it really, yeah, it struck me the the graciousness of this law Mm. giving. Um, We don't often think of rules Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) as grace, right? but think if you were like playing a game and nobody knew the rules. <laughs> like yeah. think if you just say, all right, you guys, you, you pick a bunch of people from random middle of nowhere and say, all right, go out and play hot, put them on ice and say, all right, you guys go play hockey. <laughs> it would be chaos. It would be craziness. Yeah. It, it's a gracious thing to tell people what the rules are, to mm-hmm. tell them what, what it is. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be good at it. In fact, they're going to be right. terrible at it. Yep. <laughs> it takes time. But um, it, revelation especially revelation from God to his people mm. is by its very nature an act of God's grace. Yeah. Um, unmerited, unearned. And he makes that crystal clear in verse two when he declares who he is. So what, what his revelation, so the fact that he's revealing is gracious yeah. and what he reveals is also the picture of grace. Yeah, absolutely. A helpful illustration I've heard about um, you know, the necessity of revelation is like when you walk into a mall and there is a map mm. of, you know, all the stores, malls, the, the, what are, you, you know, if you remember from the <laughs> past decades, back when we were kids, thing, yeah. yeah. Um, or you're at a theme park. If, That's if you, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and you find a map, the very first thing you look for on the map is the dot that says mm-hmm. you are here, yeah. which is revelation from the map maker who knows the map and the orientation of the park or the mall and knows where that map is located. And so as an act of revelation, they put a dot there, you are here. Mm. And if you know where you are, then the map kind of makes sense. And what good is a map to you if you don't know where you are on the map in relation to everything else? And and so for God to to speak and to reveal and to mark out for his people, here's who I am and here's who you are in relationship to me. Um, yeah, it, it's the grace of God. And the very first thing he says, I am the Lord, your God. Mm. So he establishes, again, before it launches into any requirements or um, commandments from God, it's all rooted and grounded in the person of God. Right. I am the Lord, your God. And, and the person of God and that relationship. I, I thought that was another thing that... Um, affected me yesterday in, in listening to that sermon when Greg made that point that the the pronoun here is personal, singular, plural, or a second person, singular, you mm-hmm. individually. Yeah. I am your God. Um, it, it, you could say it. it's also true corporately, obviously, when you multiply that by all of the Israelites gathered there, but that's significant that God is communicating himself to people yeah. individually. I am your God. And, and that's the essence of the covenantal relationship God has entered into with us. Mm. You will be my people. I will be your God. Yeah. And to hear God saying right now, before they've done anything to earn or deserve this, they, because they can't, um, I already am your God right, right now. Yeah. So the obedience is flowing out of that. It's established in that reality, yeah. this, this relationship that God has, has entered into with his people. Yeah, that, that, that second person singular is just so critical because mm-hmm. it just personalizes that declaration yep. um no i've heard it said before no israelite could go to bed that night saying 
God's not my God. Mm. Nobody there could say, oh, he's, okay, he might have been talking about all of us or like as a collective, but I'm not really a part of that. And yeah. No, he's, he's directly addressing each of those yep. people. And, and that just has such an effect, doesn't Absolutely. it? It's just like a, to be known and to be, to be called by this giant voice coming out mm. of the mountainside that I am your God and all that entails, right? Yeah. It's, it's one thing to declare that. And then the second part of his, of his opening revelation, he not only just says, I am the Lord, your God, he grounds it in that. And that would be enough. Yeah. But he graciously, again, pours out examples of how he has acted, which, mm. you know, as we sang for the um, parent-child dedication, he is for you mm. in the sense that he has already acted for you. Yeah. He's brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, it is his word. Indeed, that's how God always reveals Himself in word and in deed. Yeah. And He acted, and He brought them out. And that condition, unconditioned, that whole thing—that's so critical here. Um, often, uh, critics of the Bible, even Christians uh, who read the Bible, will oversimplify the Bible in the sense that the Old Testament, well, God was just—that's all law. That's right. that's God being mean. That's God being—he's just angry all the yeah. time. Very legalistic. Very strict. Very strict. Yes, yeah, right. And then the New Testament is all about the grace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Paul's all about grace and Peter's all about grace. And Jesus is all about grace. And, he, and grace is essentially God uh, cuts us slack. That's he, right. he lightens up a little yeah, bit, I, loose, I, loosens yeah. up. I knew you could never obey, so yeah. I did it for you. You know, don't worry about it. We're good. Lowers um, the bar. That's right. This verse, these verses, the setup of the Ten Commandments on the foundation of these opening verses just obliterates that, that framework. Right. God has always been... Grace has always preceded and informed and empowered right. the law and the law keeping. So God says to them, I am the Lord, your God. I am the one who brought you. I mean, he could have said the same thing and probably likely did say the same thing to, to Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord, your God. Yeah. I made you. I made you. Yeah. <laughs> I placed you right here. I, already, I put you in a garden yeah. full of trees bearing good fruit to eat. Exactly. And now he says to us, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of, and then you just use Egypt and slavery as yeah. how Paul does as metaphors for sin, sin of, and death. Of to being dead in our sin. Yeah. I am the Lord, your God. How do I, how do you know that? Because I've made you alive. I yeah. have rescued you from, from sin. And how did you do that? Did you just sweep my sin under the rug? Did you just cut me slack? No, Christ paid for it. Christ yeah. died for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it, so in that should be an assurance, mm-hmm. a, a security. And then, so it's, it's like saying to my sons or my, my kids, you're mine. Mm-hmm. You belong to this mm-hmm. family. You have this name, uh, this last name. And because of that, because of that reality, what, what we call indicatives, these, yeah. these statements of, um, of reality, because that is true, therefore, yeah. we act a certain way. Groons act a certain way. You, you don't do this, you do this. And God declaring, as he's declaring them, you belong to me. You're, you're part of my family. And because of that, here's how you will obey. And in some senses, he is acted out of love, right? Mm-hmm. And out of grace by saving for himself a people. Mm-hmm. And now he graciously tells that people how mm-hmm. to love him back, mm-hmm. how, how to be in this relationship, how to maintain this relationship through love and faithfulness and obedience. Um, and it really is, that just... We have to have that in mind yeah. as we read this without, otherwise you cannot read the 10 commandments without walking away wondering, am I okay? Like, oh, I, yeah. I, 
am I secure? Yeah. Um, because if you read them as these are ways to earn God's love, mm-hmm. or if we flip the indicative and the commands around and say, okay, Israel, you need to make sure you do all these things and then I'll love you. Yeah. As conditions. For if his you love. do this, then I will be your God. Oh, that just would, that just has such a destabilizing effect yeah. of like, am I safe? Do, is God really f- like when I say things like, is God for me? Mm-hmm. Can I really say that with confidence? Yeah. Um, yeah, because you can walk through every one of the Ten Commandments, yeah. and we have all broken every one of them, totally. either the letter or the spirit of them. Yeah, 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 and that, and yeah, that, Matt, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five, Jesus. For those of us around, well, I haven't killed anybody, I haven't murdered anybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus says, "Oh, you've heard it said. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me say to you now." He just pushes it right to where yeah. it's always meant to have been, which is the spirit of the, the spirit and yep. the heart of of all mankind. Yep, gets down to the root. Yeah, so it it leaves us guilty, which is why I think. Um, there is a human aversion Hmm. to something like the 10 commandments. And Greg made this point in in his sermon as well. When we don't want to be told what to do, that's a huge part of it. Um, it's uncomfortable to look in the mirror of God's law as well, because every single one of us, when we do what we see reflected back is our own failure and we know we have not lived up to this um and so to get that order right i think frees us then to understand first just the the nature of how this has always been it's not like god as we've said uh once related to his people in this legalistic way and right. then god was like that's just not working we got to try a different way clearly, clearly not working yeah it's always been god's gracious initiative the fact that god spoke all these words again is a reminder of god's initiative he takes the initiative towards his people he establishes this relationship now that they're in relationship then like you said it's his grace that also empowers us for obedience and so um we we don't have to come to the ten commandments with that kind of fearful condemning Mm. thought like oh no i'm I'm not good enough we we know the gospel We, we know that the the prologue to the Ten Commandments for us is even better news in Christ. I am the Lord your God who saved you from sin and death and from the devil through Jesus Christ your Savior. And and then the moral dimension of the Ten Commandments still applies, which Mm -hmm. is why this is not just a historical exercise for us to say, well, you know, let's take a look at these rules that some people used to try to follow and no longer apply to us. Mm. The, the, the moral aspect of the Ten Commandments is still in effect. And it, as we'll see in, in many of these, um, you know, in Christ Jesus, the law is transformed, yeah. you know, resurrected. He, Redeemed, he takes yeah. all of our sin to the grave, all of our failure to keep the law. He takes our sin to the grave and then he's raised up from it in newness of life and in him united to him we're raised and we're transformed and even the law itself is is magnified and clarified and, mm. and deepened and because yeah. he's the fulfillment of it um so i, I just i think this is a, a rich this will be a, a rich time for us as over the next 10 weeks we walk through yeah. each of these so you know one of our goals in trying to hear and obey is to be doers of the word um how does this word affect us, this, mm. this prologue? There are no commands here. It's just right. indicative. I am the Lord your God. I've spoken to you. I've brought you out of Egypt. How, how does that affect us? Yeah. Uh, and I think, like you said, assurance is one of those effects. It just it, it tethers us to what God has accomplished rather than basing our confidence or assurance in what we have done or 
are trying to do for God. That, that's a huge part of it. I think it, Greg kind of even hinted at it in his sermon of, it, it, for me, it, it affects not only how my soul responds to the, to the Ten Commandments, but it also affects how I parent. Hmm. Um, just being aware that uh, I don't respond well when I'm told to just obey, right? Mm-hmm. That to, to obey out of duty, mm-hmm. just do it because I said so. And that's clearly not what God's saying yeah. here. He's not telling Israel, obey these things because I said so. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has every right to say that. Um, but no, he, he desires for them to delight, mm-hmm. for them to treasure the law. Not it's, I've heard it said multiple times, and I think this is right. It's not, it's, it's not enough just to obey the law. Um, what, and yeah, go through the my, motions externally. Right. I'm just going to do it because, you know, we've all been in that situation. I'm a teacher. I've been around students that way. I've been my kids. Um, it's, it's one thing to have people who follow the law. Mm-hmm. It's other people who love the law mm-hmm. and um, cherish the law and recognize that ultimately this is for my good. Um, whether I agree with it exactly or not, I, I recognize that the pe- person, the lawgiver is good and is for my good. Yeah. And therefore I trust him. And so I'll follow. It's like a doctor and a patient. Um, yeah, I don't want to get the shot, but he says it's for my good. All right, I'll go get, I'll go take whatever medicine yeah. is needed. Um, it, it really is. So that informs my parenting of yeah. like watching my own soul as I try and go, as I try and raise my children up in the mm. nurture and admonition of the Lord. That there really is that inculcating effect of like, I don't want just them to, I don't want to lay in front of them a million laws that are like coming out of machine gun that is rooted in my emotions yeah. of like, stop annoying me, stop, you know, leave, don't do break this, this, don't do, don't that, do yeah. that. And they just are getting pelted left and right. God gives 10, think of all the law, like he gives 10 laws mm-hmm. rooted in his character, mm-hmm. rooted in his nature and in his grace. And then out of that now, they, they begin to create um, principles. Or, uh, these, are the, these are the laws that be, they begin to create laws that are informed by that grounding law. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in my house, I try and keep as few laws as possible mm-hmm. um, that are easy to follow, easily applied in various situations yep. um, and get them to see that I, these are not just arbitrary out of my own soul. But, you know, why do we never lie? That's one of the laws. We mm-hmm. never lie or always tell the truth. Why is that? Because God is a God of truth. Not because you shouldn't lie because that's quote unquote generally yeah. bad. No, because God is a God of truth and he yeah. requires of us truth and he is the word and the truth. So th- that's helped me. Yeah. And it also helps me in my own life, like you said, of how I relate to God. Um, if I'm responding to my kids out of anger and frustration and, um, mm-hmm. and I'm you know functionally conditioning my whatever my my joy Mm -hmm. um in their attitudes um that has an effect so it's just thank god that he doesn't deal with us how often i deal with people or with my kids he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love yeah um and i I just think you know as we walk through these 10 over the next couple weeks and um i'm I'm preaching one i know you're preaching a couple and I just, I just anticipate we're going to be coming back to these two sentences mm. over and over and over mm-hmm. again. I mean, this is so critical. Um, yeah. Well, like you're saying, if, if the goal is not just outward compliance, kind of like everybody taps on the brakes and slows down and goes to the speed limit when they see the speed trap up ahead, yeah. you can comply when you think you're being watched right. or you think you should. Um, th- that's not what God is after here. If what God is after is 
our hearts and he wants us to love him from the heart and to love his law. I, I just think, um, you know, a great exercise for all of us over the next 10 weeks would be to spend some time in Psalm 119, mm. which is this, yeah, the longest Psalm, this big acrostic, love all <laughs> focused on, yeah, how I love thy law. Mm. Um, it, it, it it's focused on the law of God, celebrating the goodness, the, the grace of God, just the fact that in God's law, he's laying out for us a path that leads to life. Yeah. All of that stirs our affection. And I do think that new covenant Christians are often afraid to you know, read or, or say Psalm 119, those things of like, well, no, we don't, we don't love the law, right? Because the law just condemns us, mm. which is a a sliver of the view like that. That's one of the things the law does. It does leave us guilty and condemned before God. But when you have this improper relationship and you know, the law is not how I'm saved. I'm saved by God's grace through Jesus Christ. And the moral commands of God are for my good. So you take commands like do not murder and do not steal and do not commit adultery and do not lie. God is mapping out for us. This is the way to live. Yeah to really live in the yeah. world. And this is a way to live and relate to other people that's going to bring the fullest blessing and joy in your relationships. You break God's law and you introduce the brokenness of sin mm-hmm. into every relationship. And so we can celebrate all of the things that Psalm 119 says because David is not celebrating the law as though he thought he earned his salvation right. from God through the law. He was a lawbreaker and he knew it. <laughs> he knew what he deserved yes. under the law. But he also knew the law reveals the character of God, the goodness of God, the justice of God, the the path of blessing that God has given to us, how he wants us to live. So I I just think um, that's what we're after in this time. So that's an effect of this text. Like God has given us a great gift that stirs our hearts. If if the aim is that we would love his law, Mm -hmm. not just keep it outwardly, the very first step toward loving his law is to hear those words. Yeah. I'm the Lord, your God. Yeah. I rescued you. I yeah. saved you. And that just highlights the, it highlights the reality that, um, I could, I could obey the law in its function mm-hmm. and be, and the Pharisees, Pharisees showed that I could do that with a, the rich young ruler came as I've, I've kept all these from right. my youth. I, I could do that with a cold dead heart. Yeah. Um, but to be, but if the goal is not just to follow the law, but to love the law, I recognize I cannot produce that on my own. Yeah. Um, and that is what drives us to the cross. Yep. Um, and not just in a condemnation, you know, in mm-hmm. a, con- a condemning way, but just recognizing that I need Christ. Mm-hmm. And then the great news that we have him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have God is, I am the Lord, your God. I am, you know, it just, there's just good news there. That is the good news. And yeah. so, um, it's just a beautiful reality to know that God has not demanded anything of us that he has not made provision for mm. in Christ and in his spirit. Um, and so take heart. We can do this. Yeah. Um, not by our own strength and not as a way to earn our salvation. No. But because of Jesus, we are able now through his spirit to obey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think also this week, let's look for opportunities to cultivate that amongst yeah. us of, of what does it look like to honor our father and our mother? What does it look like to honor the Sabbath? What does it look like to not just not tell lies, but to be for yeah, the truth people in of all truth. ways yeah. Um, yeah. in our, in our marriages, in our homes, mm-hmm. um, in our missional communities, in our huddles, discipleship huddles. Um, yeah. The Ten and, Commandments are. And that is 
the work of sanctification that the Spirit of God is doing in us. Because of justification. That's right. right. We're already justified. So now the Spirit of God is sanctifying us, which means he's making us more and more obedient to God from the heart. That's right. The new covenant promise is, I'm going to write my law on your hearts mm. and I will cause you to be careful to walk in all of my ways. So these laws that were written on external tablets of stone in the old covenant, in the new covenant, those laws are just written on our hearts so that we love them and, and delight to walk in God's ways and are empowered by the spirit of God yeah. to do that very thing. And that's how we become more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ who perfectly kept the law. He, he fulfilled the law. And so if you love Christ, then you love the law because he is the fulfillment <laughs> the of the law. He's he the lived law it out. Yeah, yeah, he's the law keeper. Oh, so I, I just think all of those things should stir our affections. And it, it is right for us to desire as a result of this um, and resolve by God's grace and the, the power of the spirit to grow in obedience. Mm. Uh, again, obedience is not anti-gospel. Yeah, uh, obedience crucial. is not the same as legalism. Yeah. Legalism is trying to earn your salvation from God by the works you do. But trusting God and obeying him out of that trust in him, that honors and glorifies God. Yeah, my kids do not become my kids because they obey. They are my kids. And so I should expect obedience. Yes. Um, and when they fail, they're not all of a sudden kicked out. Right. They, they, they belong. They, they're here. You're, yeah. But, but you correct them and instruct exa- them and exactly. discipline them. and By God's keep practicing. law, by yes. his standards. So yes. I, all that from... Two verses, but two verses that are just yeah. so critical. Essential. It sets the scene. Yes, it does. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, man.